0: Welcome to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to the series who are ready to jump in. I'm Drew Schulman
1: and I'm Marie Vigouroux. In this episode, we're diving into Supernatural season 1, episode 4, Phantom Traveler. Let's get this show on the road.
0: you guys doing today we'll be looking at episode four of the first season of supernatural phantom traveler and uh today is a bit of a special episode compared to the last few we have a we have a guest not just a voicemail a person
1: (gasps) a live person
0: yes and they are totally here by their own free will and we're not forcing them (laughs) uh would you like to do the honors and introduce uh mary
1: Of course. So our very special guest, our first guest on the show, is Rochelle Castellano, who sent us our very first voicemail as well in episode one. Uh, And interestingly, she was the one to encourage me to watch Supernatural in the first place. So Rochelle, thank you for all of the suffering. I really appreciate it.
0: (laughs) I also love this chain of how you're getting the person who got you to watch the show on the show as you're getting me to watch the show.
1: That is so meta. You were like casting
0: on the curse. (laughs) (laughs) or blessing or blessing i haven't gone far enough yet to know
1: let's let's call it a blessing for now (laughs)
2: for sure thanks for having me i'm super excited to be here
1: well i mean thank you for being here honestly it's a really it's really wonderful to have you on the show especially seeing as it's for this particular episode which is your actual nightmare yeah my deepest darkest fear
0: yeah, I'm a bit curious to know uh why this episode connects to you. I've really been given no forewarning as to why. Do you have a history with plane issues?
2: I have a deep, deep history with plane issues. I am basically Dean in this episode. Is my oh no. inner inner soul <laughs> <laughs> terrified of traveling. So this is uh this episode really struck a chord. Let's just say I had tears in my eyes from start to finish.
0: Oh no. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious to know before we get too deep into things. I'm assuming uh, you've rewatched the episode prior to uh, coming on today. How was yeah. rewatching it? Do you find it better, or is it still just as hard as the first time?
2: Well, I mean, I've had a solid few years of torturing myself through watching episodes of Mayday, so I'd have to say I'm pretty okay. <laughs> Obviously, I enjoy pain clearly because I put myself through this every time. But uh, yeah, it was a little bit easier. Also, I know how, and you know, you know how it's going to end. So
0: true. I think having that like. That, like, forward knowledge of that it's going to end well, that it's going to be a safe uh, plane flight does help.
2: I mean, I feel, I just feel for Mary. She's, like, uh, had the misfortune of sitting next to me on some very, very long flights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so she
2: can, she can attest oh firsthand to, to how much I love flying.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, for me, it's not so much how it's not so much sitting next to you for long flights it's sitting next to you when you insist on sitting not near the aisle and then walking over me every single time that you need to go to the washroom because you're feeling anxious <laughs> yes yes <laughs> these are all true you
0: know i've learned my lesson
2: oh, now I've never sit in a middle seat again in my life
0: <laughs> oh that's the worst oh no 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 <laughs>
1: All right, now, Drew, are you ready for our weekly recap?
0: Okay, let's see. It's fresh. I watched it last night. I'm good. You have a timer set?
1: Um, in my mind. Yes. <laughs> you know what, Drew? I'm going to do
2: the honors as the guest. I'm setting oh, your timer. Yes. Okay. Oh.
0: Thank you, Rashad. I'm counting
2: you in. One, two, three,
0: go. We start with someone boarding a plane. He is waiting to get on the plane. He is very nervous. He meets another passenger who I thought was another actor I recognized, but it wasn't. I will get to that later if I remember who he was or who I thought he was. He is super, super nervous and panicked, weird, terrible CG, black ooze from the vents comes and enters him. He is now possessed by something, we don't know what. Uh, It might be a visualizer from an old 90s music player, but that's another story. He then gets on the plane, he asks how long they've been in the air, and at 40 minutes, which we find out later is relevant because the Bible or something that you'll have to explain to me, um, he opens up the security door which we all know is nearly impossible to do gets sucked out of the plane the tail of the plane gets blown off and the plane goes down with only a few survivors we then get a call from person who deals with planes who's friends with the pilot he's a he's been helped before by um Dean and uh, John and he's all like oh yeah come back and John told me to call you which we'll get to later uh they investigate they figure out oh no this isn't just some creature or something It's a demon! Because they find sulfur, and sulfur is a sign of demons. Um, I'm rambling. Time. Um, They eventually figure out that the only person who's still flying is one of the flight attendants. They go to try to stop her. They end up getting on the plane with her. Dean, who is all like, I'm not afraid of anything, is like, oh, a plane? I'm afraid of that. And (laughs) they get on the plane. They get the uh, the co-pilot, who it turns out is possessed. They free the demon and expel it. And we get a cool little moment where... Sam is confronted by the demon about his girlfriend.
1: Ooh. Dum dum dum.
0: I think that's everything.
1: Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good.
0: Plane doesn't crash, everyone gets out okay. Um, yes.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm gonna give you an A for that, Drew. (laughs) So if you let me like ease into the long game, Mm -hmm. uh, just to mention a couple of things here about this episode that I think are important. And Rochelle, feel free to add to that because I know that this episode is also like it's it's very important because we're introduced to demons for the very first time. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and demons are going to follow the boys, the brothers, through the fifteen seasons, and so the, they're really introducing this idea in this in this episode. Uh, although the lore that's used here is a little bit different than what's used in later episodes. Oh. Okay. I do love just how unfamiliar the boys are with demons. Mm. You know, you've got Sam who says, you know, like, ever heard of something like this before? And Dina's like, no, never. You know, they don't know anything about demons at this point. And it's so, so funny because a few episodes later, you know, or, or a few seasons later, demons are just like run of the mill for them.
2: Yeah, I actually found that to be one of the most interesting parts of this episode. Um, the line where they're like, you know, demons don't want anything except death and destruction for their own sake. It And, you know, yeah. like, they're just, they're so new to this. They have no idea what's happening. This is their first introduction and it becomes such an integral part of the series. Um, so it's really interesting to see that at the beginning of the episode. And, and then, you know, that last line, like you said, Drew. Um, how they're just starting to weave it all in but anyway.
0: yeah that was something else mm. that i took away from this too is uh like i've said in the past i've watched a bit past seasons one through four ish so i do know demons become a little more commonplace but i really like that level of world building of the brothers understand and know what a demon is have they ever really encountered one more than maybe like secondhand no but we get this level of like something new something that they're not ready for and something that you just said actually that kind of spark something, is the line that, I, I believe it's Dean, that says it. demons just want death and destruction, there's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. And then we have yeah. this demon calling out Sam and what happened to Jess. It weirdly seems like it's something that the demons knew about and thus was not just random,
1: which yeah. kind of goes mm-hmm. against that. Yes. And it's also interesting because, you know, he says, you know, demons read minds, they lie. And it's it's funny because... Yeah, they do lie in the series, but not more than humans or not less than humans. Mm. It, it, You know, it's not necessarily a, a trait of demons that they lie or mm-hmm. or even that they read minds. So there's definitely some assumptions in this episode that don't necessarily hold up later.
2: Yeah, and that's where you can really see how the show is really trying to find itself in this episode and... Like you can really tell in these like little nuances here with the way that they deal with demons. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's their first encounter, and that's that's new and and different for them um, and for us as the viewers. But you can really see how they've kind of like stumbled a little bit on like yeah. the who what a demon is. You know, like they're they're testing it out. Mm-hmm. They're like throwing the spaghetti on the wall. They're seeing what's going to stick. Like do spaghetti? Do, do they read minds? Do they do this?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a a first stab in it and you can almost, like, I imagine as we get further in the series, maybe meet some more demons and get to discuss, almost in reference to this episode, how they've evolved in their storytelling. I'm sure there's ways mm -hmm. to, within the universe, explain away, like, oh, well, they were so new, they didn't really know, they were making assumptions, they were going off of, like, you know, like, back alley drunken conversations with guys in bars who fought demons.
1: Yeah, 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 you can really see that. And one other, uh... Instance of that is that they use an EMF meter for the first time again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the in, homemade in episode, EMF meter, might we have the homemade one? I love that a, a, a tape player, which I love also, the cassette player. But note that in future episodes, they don't use EMF meters to detect demon presence. Yeah, that was one of the ones that also stood out to me. So
2: you know, obviously mm-hmm. the the newness of the demon and their interpretation of of demons in the first episode, but like also the the hardware that they use for lack of better words, you know, like a janky EMF reader and (laughs) they're going around and they're kind of, once again, trying to figure out like, what, who are we? What are we? What is it going to look like? And so they're, they're testing these things out. This, this is a more traditional form of supernatural encounters. You know, when you think about Mm -hmm. even later when they introduce ghost facers um, with like (gasps) Yeah, those EMF <laughs> readers are so, so much part of that culture, right? So it just seems natural, yeah. but then it doesn't become part of Supernatural's culture later.
1: Or it does, but for spirits. For spirits, right? yeah. Or ghosts, but not for demons. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Which does make sense. I mean, I think traditionally you think of EMF equipment with those ghost hunting type shows or people like trying to like contact a spirit in a home. Uh, I feel like, yeah, there's a crossover in that level of those spiritual moments, whether they be real or just manufactured for television and movies an emf tends to go along lines of more of a contacting a spirit or a ghost and the demons kind of Mm. seem to be on the fringe of that more you don't only see a lot of stories of demons whether in pop culture or in history where many historical demon stories or other stories have emf readers but it's not as traditional
1: another thing that is interesting in this episode to note in terms of you know the long game is we're seeing the first uh, we're seeing um a routine or a um, a dynamic we're starting to see a dynamic between Sam and Dean Dean is getting annoyed at a witness and Sam is able to get them to talk you know Dean goes oh he was seeing things and eye rolls you know and mm-hmm. Sam goes well tell us what you thought you saw you know like he's he's he cuts off Dean when he's about to tell Amanda the truth so that he can deliver it instead of Dean like they're clearly seeing where their strengths are and communication with people is sam's forte not dean's
2: there is a really clear um painting of the roles of the archetypes of who dean and sam Mm -hmm. are to each other and to the story and like you know Mm -hmm. sam's emotional capacity to connect with victims with anybody around him compared to like Dean's sort of like like you said eye rolling or i almost call them like pragmatism like fake Johnisms, like he took like he (laughs) kind of like took this from from John and was like this is the way it's supposed to be um you can really see they're falling into that
1: beat in this episode to your point Rochelle during the emergency Sam remains entirely level-headed and focused on the task right Mm -hmm. he goes for the journal to be able to retrieve it Mm -hmm. whereas Dean freezes and I mean he loses his mind you know like he gets very scared (laughs) yeah
0: but I think that's a, I think that's a good way to show them. It's it it helps humanize the character. Like you know, Dean has been very clear. He's afraid of flying. He's putting on a brave face as long as he can. He's put on this brave face more than I think Sam is because he has to fight his fear on top of literally fighting mm-hmm. a demon. And then as soon as it hits that breaking point of like this is too much, this is too scary, he breaks. Yeah, you know, like exactly. Think I mean I I don't want to throw you under a bus, Rochelle, but I imagine like as someone who's had difficulty flying, put you on a plane and do everything in our power to relax and calm and get you ready, you could fight it. You then suddenly throw in a huge storm or something crazy that's totally unexpected. That's not something you're going to be able to handle well as someone who's already not adjusted comfortably to the situation.
2: No, yeah, absolutely not. It's instant tears and like panic. Yeah. Yeah, that's the scene that's probably the most relatable by, in, from Dean in this entire episode, right?
0: Hmm. So speaking of, we've, we've we've kind of moved into the brother section here, so we can kind of just yeah. cleanly transition into it. But uh, the brothers, we do get a very nice view of both them this episode. Again, I've really been happy to see how a show like this has been able to present both Dean and Sam, and really show off their major character traits and then their secondary traits so well. So here, as you'd mentioned before, we do see Sam's calming nature, his ability to connect people a little better. And how Dean can be a little bit rough around the edges in those senses, which we've, in previous episodes, already seen can go both ways. Mm. But here we're kind of getting back to the, what feels more regular for them.
2: This episode, I think, really sets a tone and kind of shifts a little bit. Like, you can you can really see, like, the subtle nuances developing in their characters. Um Like you know the the one that stands out to me the most is like that little moment of judgment that like sam has back to like the the you know the busted emf reader like they they're really trying here i think to like color a brother relationship and really like show different facets of it because you know sam's looking at dean and he's like he's like what is this machine like you built this <laughs> and like like tell me what per- what sibling like what person who has a sibling has not seen that face you know like i am it's raising just... my hand and blushing <laughs> yeah exactly like it is just and it this is what's so um this is what drives people to supernatural for so for ha- has driven people and will continue to drive people is this relationship this like reality between these two people and they really start to kind of color that more like at the beginning when sam uh, comes into the room and Dean's like, well, you know, ha- have you slept? There's like this like level of concern here. And then he immediately goes to, well, you need to be sleeping because you're going to keep my ass alive. So you're like this like soft protector to this like, well, hard ass, like, no, I'm not cutting you any slack. You know, you get your shit together.
0: Yeah, it's something we've seen with Dean a lot. He is very quick to realize when he needs to be serious, Dean. and He needs to connect to somebody. He needs to kind of have that moment of like, hey, cutting the crap are you okay? Cut the crap. You need to be getting your sleep. And then as soon as I think he realizes he's being serious, Dean, he has to make a wise crack and get out of it as fast as he can.
1: Well, I mean, this is what happens when you're emotionally constipated. And and like <laughs> I was just going to say it, Mary. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, look at the way that So, Rochelle, you bring up that moment when Sam walks into the room at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And Dean is asking him if he slept. But the first thing that Dean actually does is reach for a knife under his pillow because (laughs) he thinks that it's an intruder. Okay, let's let's be very clear about what happens in the scene and the order in which it happens. Mm -hmm. And to me, this was a callback to, you know, when um when sam says in episode one when i told dad i was afraid of the thing in my closet he gave me a 45 yeah right so you, you were talking Rochelle earlier about the Johnisms. well this to me is one of them dean has completely internalized john's reaction to this and sleeps with a huge freaking knife under his pillow <laughs> yeah. when sam asks him if he's afraid he actually plays it really close to the vest and he goes no that's not fear that's uh you know it's it's being practical Under <laughs> what he says Yeah, I'm being practical, yeah. And I mean,
0: it's it's valid. Like, you know, you are looking at a person who does live a fairly dangerous life. Like, I can imagine over the years he's been hunting, something's probably attacked him in his sleep. Something's probably broken into his room. Whether it be an intruder or something more uh, spiritual... I'm not surprised that he's probably had to pull that knife on someone or something before because it's legitimately happened. Or frankly,
1: even just the fact that he was probably told by John to do this when John was away and he was alone in a motel room with Sammy. Of course. And like, you know, that's something that later we you'll
2: see when they start to like kind of show more of the background. But you can like their childhood growing up was not it was that it was like i'm leaving mm-hmm. and here's the guns to protect yourself and make sure your brother's okay you can see that he's kind of like taken that stuff on what i find really fascinating about this episode um which you can kind of see in the first 3 but you st- they're still so innocent by like supernatural standards and i know we're not we're not looking too much far in the future now we're really focusing on this episode but you can really tell there's like an innocence there and yet yeah. the for them they're at this like that they've experienced everything like, you know, this demon's coming in and it's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing they've ever experienced because they've never like been around a demon before. So there's like this real interesting sense of just like now they're starting to push their limits and their boundaries. Right. And before this, they were on hunting trips with John and they kind of lived a challenging childhood, but you don't get the sense that it was something that was out of their wheelhouse or ability to maybe manage mm-hmm. and then they're starting to test like okay yeah they defeated the demon but this was this was like hairy you know they weren't really sure this was gonna if they were gonna yeah. make it or if that plane
1: was gonna get down mm-hmm. um well so you're actually you're actually bringing up what i felt that the theme of the episode was which is fear mm-hmm. and i'm gonna throw a question out at you guys like mm. how do you yeah <laughs> you love it when i do I that, love mary's you? questions <laughs> they're
0: the best jumping off points and they always make mm-hmm. me like It sounds cliche, but, like, I always walk away from those questions realizing something I hadn't realized before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great, that's the goal. All right, so how, how do you see fear manifesting in the brothers in this episode?
0: Well, if I may, I think the fear we see in Dean, at least, is just sort of a fear of... I feel like it's the cliche when you talk about a fear like this. It's control. It's putting yourself in a scenario where you aren't in charge. There are factors outside of you that are just completely absent to you to control. You know, fighting a demon, you have a weapon, you know what to do, you can stop it. Fighting anything else, there's a rulebook of how to deal with all these creatures. Getting on a plane and something going on with the plane, it's not like he can be like, well, let me just hop out the plane here and make a salt circle and boom, the wing is fixed. It's, it's not how this works, unfortunately. And I think we also kind of see... A bit of fear in Sam, in just the fear of what what his brother is becoming. I mean, I don't necessarily think Sam looks to Dean as, like, his rock and his everything, and he needs Dean to be 100% there. But suddenly seeing Dean lose that cool edge he's always had, and really losing that, like, je ne sais quoi that he's always had, suddenly Sam is like, I'm almost kind of on my own. And we see that when he sends Dean to go uh, talk to Amanda. He like I think it plays off as a joke. Like remember to say it in Latin. It's Christo in Latin. Like he, it almost (laughs) feels a little joking, and it's 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 fun. It's some levity. It's it's a good moment to have a giggle. But yeah, you realize it's Sam going like, I don't think I trust Dean to go do this. Like Mm -hmm. yeah, he says he knows it in Latin. I don't think he does. I'm gonna double check because I really (laughs) am afraid my brother is not ready for this.
2: Ah, uh, this is like the beginning of the uh the fame the the oh famous Sam and Dean's mistrust of each other. <laughs> yes, exactly, Rochelle. Please please say more about that actually. <laughs> well, I think it's really interesting to me, and this is probably what siblings are in general. Well, not probably it is what siblings are. You can see you can see that there's there's a little bit of there's a mistrust. They don't really know each other, right? They've kind of like spent a few years apart they're rediscovering who they are they're like can I rely on you like sure Dean do you really know it's Christo Christo, you know like right now you're not you're not really level-headed I don't really trust you like are you gonna get the job done Uh, but the same way that's like Dean at the beginning is like well you need to sleep like you need to be on top of your things you know because you're here Mm -hmm. for me and you can just see that there's maybe not a sense of cohesiveness between them yeah that's true do you think that that's a source of fear for them? I think so. Absolutely. I definitely think so. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they, they have been raised to think that there's a possibility of death at every moment and they need to be the, yeah. you know, the one that's mm-hmm. still standing. Like everybody, they need to survive. And they're in survival mm-hmm. mode through yeah. their entire lives, which leads to, you know, their, the, the bag of issues that they carry with them now. And so now they have to rely on each other. But they've never mm-hmm. had to really truly rely on anybody because I don't even think they really relied on John. So they've been sort of solo and now they feel like they have this bonded sense of a common goal and so they're supporting each other and they want to believe because they think family is important or they know family is important but they're not really sure that the other person's going to have their back if they, they don't trust it,
1: right? Because they mm-hmm. don't know them. I love that. Honestly, I feel like it's true. It's the episode where I find this crystallizes because it Hints, the show hints at this, Uh, the story hints at this in, in previous episode, but here it truly crystallizes and we're starting to see it in many of their interactions.
0: It seems to me like a level of, they have enough trust in the other one only so far because again, they have been apart for so many years and not really had that brother relationship that they're slowly growing now. But I think as soon as one of them realizes they can't rely on the other one, like as soon as there's that moment of, dean's panic over flying you almost see it in sam when he's trying to figure out what to do next when dean goes i'm too afraid to get on that flight is there's a fear in not having the other one there even this yeah. early on there's a level of okay if i have to do this alone i will but i don't want to mm-hmm. which is more than just because i want you by my side it's because we need each other so there's that level of yeah there's a the little distrust there's a little bit of second guessing each other. There's a little bit of like butting heads like brothers and family do but when it comes down to it, as soon as you're like, cool, I'm taking your brother out of the equation, the other brother is like, Oh, oh no, don't do that, please.
1: Oh, Drew, you're basically describing the beginning of the codependence. Oh my god, I was just <laughs> gonna say that, Mary. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is how
2: they because they're still not co- This is how it begins. Yeah, this is not this is not codependency yet, because Sam can Sam has the trigger to say, Okay, I can do this alone and I'm gonna do this if you can't, you know, figure it out. Yeah. But that yeah. like that is gonna that
1: erodes oh that absolutely erodes. Yeah. yeah yeah well so we're, we're starting to go into a territory that i'm i'm happy that we're going into because there's one thing that we haven't quite mentioned about dean's fears i would like to say that one of dean's fears is emotional intimacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no
0: <laughs> yes that makes perfect sense and i've only known him for four episodes and i can tell you that hundred percent is a, probably a thing
1: When Dean tries to get Amanda not to get on the plane, he says, oh, you know, he's really sorry. The guy's a mess. It's pathetic. And to me, that really shows what he thinks of expressing care and emotion. And that is something that we really need to keep in mind for Dean for later episodes and even later seasons. Hmm. He does not value... Showing emotion or showcasing emotion. He does not like to be open about what he feels.
2: but this is what this episode does so well, and that's why I called it like Dean's like Johnisms because you can really tell like in every single moment from beginning to end, they're placing Dean as the archetype of rejection of emotional intimacy and Sam as the ability as the person that has the ability to access emotional intimacy. And he has that capacity, and you can really tell it when they're talking to um, the wife of the victim, the guy who dies, right? And Dean's rolling his eyes. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, Sam's face just kind of crumbles a bit, and he connects to the victim's wife. But it's really, really strong at the end of the episode Mm -hmm. when they phone John, and you see Sam's, like, basically crying. Like, the tears are in his eyes, and he's, like— and. You just see mm-hmm. Dean is shut down. Yeah. And there's like you're like you can see it there that like that moment to me kind of like yeah. just reflects everything in this episode because it's it's subtle and it's exactly who they are. And they are meant to be opposites to each other. This is what they're trying to start establishing here is that there's a push yeah. and pull. If Sam's doing something, Dean's at the opposite. And it's just they're constantly. Trying to align themselves down a path where they're not aligned.
0: Oh
1: my goodness, that's so powerful, especially knowing what happens later.
0: Ugh. I I, I mean, of course, I don't have as much foreknowledge of the series, but even that ending, like having that moment of how... I feel like a weaker show would have had to go on and explain why the ending was so emotional, but being able to just give you that little drip feed of them reacting to this realization. And then, like Mm -hmm. you said, I didn't even click it right away, but their reactions are though not extreme and overacted are evidently different and it does really line up with what we've been seeing from them in this show is one being able to show emotions mm-hmm. and one being mm-hmm. totally blocked off from showing emotions but even without showing them we know exactly what they're feeling
1: yeah and in terms of push and pull too there's an interesting like loop to loop that happens in the episode right where at the beginning mm-hmm. dean tells sam that he needs to stay sharp because he's not sleeping and by the end of the episode, Sam is the one to stay sharp, mm. and Dean is not, right? So what Dean demands of his brother, or what Dean is afraid that Sam can't give him, Sam is actually the one to be able to give to Dean, and Dean is not able to return, to reciprocate. The basis of every issue between the two brothers is that
2: Dean's always always has an expectation of Sam for something, and... Yeah. in the end sam's the one that is able to deliver and dean oftentimes is the one that freaks out or panics and he's actually quite emotional because he's incapable of being mm-hmm. exactly cuz he's incapable of he's understanding how to like he's he's just a ball of an explosion of emotions cuz he just doesn't know how to like deal with his emotions
1: uh, the one thing that i might just nuance here a little bit is that i wouldn't say that he's emotional because he can't express it yeah that wasn't the right way of saying it i agree
0: if i may growing up in the growing up in the age I did as a man I mean it's very common that you know that you joke about it nowadays of men being told to like you know showing emotions isn't manly Mm -hmm. I I did my best to you know not let that control me but it's something that was very evident in the way I was raised and the way men around me were raised I look at guys Mm -hmm. I know now and I know their parents and the way they were brought up and it's unfortunately very true it's something that Dean exemplifies very well. He grew up with John who probably instilled those same things in him and it probably did it himself and didn't show emotion, so neither did Dean.
1: Yeah, I mean John had a military background and so you can imagine like the type of upbringing that he gave Dean and Sam and I especially knowing that there was no that their mom wasn't around and everything mm-hmm. we know about their family. I agree with you, Drew. I think that Dean is a is an is a perfect example of what happens when when we raise our boys uh, through toxic masculinity standards. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think with that, we have covered the brothers quite well. I think we've seen a lot about their emotional states and learned a little more about them. And I can only say I'm more excited to continue delving into their psyches more as we learn more about them and see where we can learn little details here and there that might just spark new conversations. But (laughs) we have uh, some critical time to get into, and I'm going to hijack your first point terrible choice of words (laughs) it's
1: okay we're not in an airport
0: (gasps) oh wow I did not even mean that I forgot which of them actually spouts it all off but they basically collectively say a flight 401 for an eastern airline that went down and later used the parts and there was hauntings this is a true story I very often while watching the episode will like pause to take notes or like look up an actor here and there little things and this one, he mentioned the flight, and I right away go, I know that flight number. Like, not just like, oh, I'm going to look this up because it sounds interesting. I go, no, no, I know that flight number. Mm. I listened to an air disaster podcast, and they, this, was, this was one of their <laughs> earliest episodes. And they mentioned during the episode there was a whole court case about the hauntings.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, this is an, uh, such an interesting, I love this little, like, tying things into reality. Like I said last time with the Wendigo episode. I like when things can be pulled not just from the headlines, but from real life mythology and lore. So to go a step further and take an actual case and kind of bring it up to help ground the reality of things being spooky in a specific industry like air travel, I thought was just a really nice touch to the episode. And I will encourage any listeners to look up this flight, Eastern Airlines Flight 401. Mm -hmm. It's an an unfortunate incident that occurred. It's It's a bit of a long story to go into, so I won't do it here, but... It's interesting to see what happened with these uh supposed specter sightings that happened.
2: This is when supernatural does like low key horror at its like <laughs> at its best. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I was just going to say that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be- because that's what the show is so good at. It's got you wondering sometimes like, wait, is this real or is this like is this is this real or is this from the show, you know? Like Kind of like Rochelle and I, whenever we wonder about Harry Potter, like, is this canon or fan fiction? Like, is this real or is this supernatural, you
2: know? I was going to say they do their lore so well, you know, and this is like one of the parts I love the most about the show is like that, you know, the classic research segments where, you know, they're looking at like, what's this monster of the week? Like, what's this lore connected to? Mm-hmm. And they'll go into like really obscure and deep research, you know, so you you really you really get that feeling. They've gone and taken things from reality, let's say. (laughs) You know, air quoting reality (laughs) here. um, And brought it into the show, so it connects it. Because what oftentimes I think shows do, these types of shows, is they'll they'll create their own lore, which Supernatural does, but they tie it back to what we live in, you know, for for Mm -hmm. our mythologies and our wives' tales and our stories.
0: And it's a very fun way to do it. It's a very nice way to... Take and I mean, so many of these legends and lords and myths are retold and told again and have their variations, so it's easy to take them and reconfigure them to fit the world you're trying to build, which is why, with very few exceptions, like the Wendigo episode that I still have my issues with, it's nice to see an interpretation done in a fun, new, and different way, as long as it's still respecting the source material, in my opinion.
2: Mm -hmm. Does anybody have any sort of critical thought about this episode? I feel like it's like one of the few supernatural episodes where I didn't have, like, I'm not thinking like, okay, well, rather than diversity in the cast, I'm not sitting here being like, hmm, this is, this didn't age well or this, this or that, you know, like, it just felt like it was sort of overall quite just a normal episode timeless yeah yeah it felt like it like a very timeless episode a very normal episode and also just like a really good like exposition of the brothers Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i i absolutely agree the only thing that i would say is that knowing that this was shot post Mm 9-11 especially i mean this was what 2005 yeah so if we remember correctly, there were often members of the National Guard on airplanes yeah. at that time. In that sense, perhaps, the sense of disbelief, it's harder to suspend disbelief. But really, that's that's my only true critique here.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, when you were saying it's a timeless episode, I I would agree that it's very nice. It's a building some more lore of the series. It's helping us learn more about the brothers, but it isn't really pushing any boundaries that really need us to dive mm-hmm. into and discuss. But as you said, I had to take a moment and think like, what year would this have been filmed in or set in? Because yeah. when they're like, the flight takes off and they're boarding in 30 and he's like, oh, we'll go buy a ticket and we'll board. And I was like, you're <laughs> shitting me, right? That is not a thing you can physically do in this day and age. That's like yeah, no. hours of security. And there are so many things there. And also, I don't know where to fit this in, but I do have to ask you both a question. They do succeed that flight and get to the destination and land it. Does that mean they have to fly back to get their car?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I no, I believe the plane turns around.
0: Yeah, that's why Doesn't that's why it? yeah, I think I had that note, and then when I see them like they're landed and the cops are there and they're talking to people, it looks like they're back at the original destination, so like it came back, I guess. It's
1: because it was Gate 13. they boarded Gate 13. And then when they come back, they're coming out of that exact same gate. Yeah. This is what I love. This is the
2: physics of, of uh, supernatural or the, you know, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the suspending your disbelief of supernatural. You have to sometimes, and actually this one for real, honestly, other than maybe the having a marshal on board, there wasn't a lot of it where I had to be like, oh, I'm really suspending my disbelief here. The reason why I don't have a lot of critiques with this episode, surprisingly, is because it's focused on the two brothers and there are no female characters or outsiders inside for us to actually test yeah. the real true issues with the show, right? Yeah, so,
1: exactly.
0: Although, can we say that Amanda, for the first time in this series, has been a female character who did not have to be romantically attracted or linked in any way to the brothers? I mean, their interactions yeah, are true. basically nothing, but both brothers do have a conversation with her. She is, mm-hmm. we even have that little, like, nod at the end as she says, I have no idea what happened, and nods at Dean and Sam. But here we have a, I would say, an independent female character who does not show any romantic interest in the brothers. Neither brother hits or flirts, you know, with her. It legitimately seems a little impressive for the littlest bit.
2: Yes, but this is why she survives, Drew. Ha ha! <laughs> So good good for her.
1: She had a lot more oh, self-survival skills than we think. Oh, good lord. <laughs> oh I God. mean, not being, not dating Sam will probably keep you alive longer than dating Sam anyway, <laughs> right? So let's be very clear about that. Yeah,
0: I'll be honest. From everything I know about the show going forward, like just from like social media and modern media and pop culture, it seems that neither one of them is able to really have any romantic inclination with somebody who doesn't get totally um, demon-destroyed id. Oh,
2: this is a conversation for another time, my yes. friends, because let me tell you, we're going to we can we can spend another 5 hours talking just about this like deep issue uh, here.
0: But I really need a scorecard here like of a lot of little things like every time I get a like another episode conversation or oh, that's coming up conversation.
2: There's a lot to unpack as we go forward yes, and absolutely. this is why this is one of those um other than the fact that it's a terrifying episode because it's a plane crash. It's actually one of those peaceful episodes, I would say, overall, yeah. because there's not a lot of, there's not much to it. And this is, that sounds horrible, but it's really not a negative critique. It's actually quite like almost like a solace when you're looking at yeah. the overall oh, emotional true. roller coaster so you get into later. Oh. So it just feels really, it feels like a really kind of like good entry, like a solid. Mm-hmm. piece of character development and you know I like I as I was watching the episode I had some little overall observations which is really hilarious because you can see like you know we discussed a little bit earlier how they're trying to find their footing you know like throwing throwing that yeah. spaghetti against the wall but you can tell because they're using a lot more heavy metal and metal rather than an alt rock and punk rather than classic rock you know so like yeah, they're still true. trying to find out their soundtrack and like you know, they're still trying to figure out, okay, if I try on all these outfits on these characters, like, what's this look like and where are we going? Mm-hmm. And then that closing shot sort of sets the tone of, like, this is what this show's about. Just these two brothers yeah. on this rural American road in this Impala, you know? And I thought, like, oh, there, there you're seeing it. You're starting to really see, like, Supernatural start to crystallize its, mm. its own... You know, brand basically,
0: yeah. The show has a very specific flavor to it, and we are seeing the crock pot stirring now of what flavors to keep, which ones to focus on, which ones we can live without.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, this was a lovely conversation. I'm so happy that we were able to do this. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: so normally this is the part of the show where you'd be hearing a voicemail from one of our fans, but as we've had our lovely guest with us today, we've decided to not go ahead with a voicemail. But we will use this bit of airtime to quickly remind fans, if you want to send something in, whether it be feedback, your own voicemail, did we miss something? Do you agree or disagree with us? Uh, Is there like one really big obvious point in this or a previous episode that we've clearly overlooked that you're like, how could they have done that? Correct us. Let us know. (laughs) Give us that feedback.
1: So, Drew and Rochelle, I think it's time to move into our crossroads deal. <laughs> what we try to do is we say, oh, well, I wish that this had been different, and this is what I would do in exchange yeah, for okay. that. So you have to give something to get something. Oh, okay. And this is episode-specific? Yes, episode-specific.
2: Uh, okay,
0: go for it. Feel free to think on a wider spectrum of the series. Like, I know in the past, Mary has brought up making a wish of a certain character living over another one, which would have implications throughout the series. and You can kind of touch on those yes. if you can think of something big enough yeah. in this episode. My deal at the crossroads for this episode would be giving up some of the time surrounding the other survivors in favor of giving us a little more research into demonology, maybe seeing more of what they know about demons, helping to build that world a little bit. So as dark as this might sound, I would... Hope that less people had survived the first crash <laughs> like i like, okay. I know that sounds terrible, and I know that we kind of have the um the other pilot the the pilot uh crashing because that's how we get to the whole oh, it's clearly going after all the survivors things, but I think I've almost would have liked only one person surviving i e Amanda and then doing more research about demons that's super interesting yeah. actually. So there we go. I wish people I wish more people had died.
1: Oh. <laughs> I wish for more death and destruction.
0: <laughs> I just imagine the really bad Google review for this episode. There were not enough deaths in this episode. 3 stars. <laughs> 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 oh
1: my god, you know that that would happen in this particular fandom. So I what believe what's going it. on from that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so which of you will be following up my very dark crossroads deal with their own? <laughs>
1: So I'm gonna go with a simple one. I sort of wish that there had been less, and and Rochelle, you touched upon that very quickly, but like I wish that there had been less metal and heavy metal music in this particular episode and more classic mm-hmm. rock. I did find that compared to the other episodes and the rest of the series, it just it's a bit clashy. Like it doesn't quite fit. I think that's my crossroads deal. Less less metal. More classic rock. I don't. I don't have anything deep to say today. To guys. So
2: but sorry. this is this is a hard one even for me because for you know on on a global scale this is a pretty perfect episode for me. So in terms of like crossroads deal, I don't know what I would really give up. Like I feel like I'm almost splitting hairs. Probably mm-hmm. like it's it's not original, but it's it's close to Drew. And I hate saying this, so anyways. I would say that I would probably as well also have like trimmed down the story. The part I would have given up was them going to like visit the wreck. The
1: wreck like energy. I'm like
2: that's yeah. the- no, I don't like I didn't feel connected to that whole part, and I just mm-hmm. felt like you know I would have preferred that either they spend more time you know showing them traveling or just being like on the road or kind of giving me a bit more of a sense of like the space and the world around because it felt a bit claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. I know they were moving between spaces, but it just didn't feel expansive, which is probably the yeah. point. So it's not it's not an original one
1: by any means, but I like no. But you have a really good point, though. Yeah, yeah I just it is... because <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> all go. of
0: us at once.
2: Oh yeah, I just... go for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it really it the going to visit the plane wreck seemed like a lot when you factor in that they have to go get the suits, which is really just a fun joke moment. They have to then. Do yeah. the whole fake ID thing. Again, just a fun joke moment. It's a lot... Like, the scene itself isn't huge, but it, imp- it impacts the entirety of the episode and the time consumed in the episode so much. And for such a little payoff, that really could have just been, oh, and they found this weird thing on the plane and no one seems to know why, and then they can go, oh, is it sulfur? And you've basically taken a full, like, eight-minute segment of the episode into a two-line conversation
2: but this is that because this is the thing and that's why i'm like it was this really necessary truly and this is why i feel like i'm splitting hairs a bit because i'm being overly critical but like they had the voice recording which was demonic they mm-hmm. they kind of understood that there was some weird creepy eyes by inch through interviews and so this is where it com- i come back to like the spaghetti on the wall which is like okay let's just say demons are all of these things so sulfur black eyes possession We can exercise them, blah, 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 and keep it super broad and kind of expose that to expose um, everybody to this so that later on we can kind of, you know, jettison what we don't need. But we've kind of set the tone that when a demon shows up, there's sulfur, Mm -hmm. you know, like I just it just sort of felt like there were other ways that they could have maybe tightened it up and then really focused on them getting the fake IDs, them kind of going through their routine, which was it's fun. There's a bit of levity and this is why I kind of said I kind of, I hate, I hate saying I want to like take away plot for more brother time, because you get to 15 seasons yeah. of a hell of a lot of brother time. So it's kind of <laughs> nice to have yes. a little bit of not so much brother time. <laughs> like, like you know, yeah. Supernatural is great for 15 really great seasons of how many times Sam and Dean can hate each other. <laughs> <And> like... <laughs> So I, I feel like we really explore all those storylines and depth. Like it's like 15 seasons of therapy with these boys. <laughs> like, so you kind of want to take that, and yet, they and learn yet nothing. they do not progress. So, so they're men. Got it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have Phantom Traveler, you know, and say like, okay, maybe they spent a bit yeah. too much time. But if I'm thinking about it as a critical on a critical level and making a deal with a crossroads demon, I have to say like for plot. That's the weakest part for me. So I would trade that for more time exposing that relationship between the two brothers and setting the tone.
1: I love that. And I mean, it's also just like on a production point of view. Do you realize how expensive it must have been to build the set for like 30 seconds of nice. video? Stupid. <laughs> Stupid.
0: Like I can I just... almost imagine like the behind the scenes is they already had the set from another show and they were like, well, we're doing a plane thing, too.
2: Yeah, which is likely how that happens. <laughs> Let's <That's> hope.
0: <laughs> like, I honestly would not be surprised. It's, yeah.
2: We should check and see if, like, uh, or if, like, Smallville was filming any sort of scenes or, you know, what <laughs> other production was filming in Vancouver at the time.
1: That's so true. <laughs> hey,
0: I'm, I'm saying it right now. I'm sure there's a fan out there who already has done this research. So if you're that fan and you have done that research, give us an email or a call or a tweet or a whatever social media form you choose to use to contact us. I want to know more. <laughs> <There> you
1: <go. laughs> you've been listening to carrying wayward a supernatural podcast produced by rochelle castellano and hosted by drew shulman and myself marie Figuru. you can subscribe on spotify or apple music for weekly content including special episodes you can find us on twitter and instagram at carrying wayward and you can send us a voicemail at carrying at gmail.com this week we'd like to thank rochelle for being our very first guest on the show Until next week.
0: Carry on our wayward friends.